Hey, Authority Hackers, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you're like me, when you created a brand new piece of content and you poured your heart into it, the first thing you want to happen is that people find it and are amazed by it. The problem is most of the time you spend so much time putting the content together that you don't really have a plan for promotion. And that's what we're going to be trying to solve in today's episode. We are going to give you the best ways to promote your content in 2020 to get traffic on it on day one. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today I stole Mark's fleece. As you can see, usually he wears this one, but I guess I took it. So how is it going, Mark, now that I stole your fleece, I guess? <laughs> it's cold, really cold, actually. It's getting cold here, actually. It actually is very cold here. I have my heating on, but that's not that uncommon for the north of Scotland. How it's going in SEO terms and in online marketing world? Pretty interesting, actually. So we started a, a new website fairly recently, and we're going through that whole writer onboarding education process. And it's been a while since we've had to train like brand new writers how to write in the way that we, we want to. So I'm, I'm remembering the pains of doing that at the moment. It's, I mean, it's interesting to like, it's fun because we go through this again, but it's, it's a bit painful on this side. It's a quite specific side technically. So getting specialists to like people who are not necessarily writers, but are specialists in the topic to write like writers the way we want, etc., is actually like, it's teaching them a new job basically, which, uh, yeah, it's all a work. Anyway, we are not going to talk about this today. Before we actually jump into the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. Authority Hacker Pro, our most advanced course training and community is coming back in two weeks, more or less. And so just a heads up, we're going to be releasing a bit more content before that. And we're going to be dripping you a bit more information about that in the next few weeks. But it should be fun. And there's a lot of HPro members that come to the premiere of this podcast as well. So if you actually uh, want to meet some HPro members, you can actually come on YouTube to the premiere of the podcast every Monday. And if you're on YouTube, you might as well click on the subscribe button, click on the like button and do all these things that help us do better. And then if you're on your audio platforms, well, come say hi on YouTube at least before that. And we are actually live on the chat when we do these on YouTube. So it's pretty fun. But yeah, we will give you more information about Atari Hacker Pro, what's coming up. We have some surprises with that launch coming up, etc. So we'll give you, expect more information coming soon, but it should be fun. Now let's jump onto the topic of the podcast, which is content promotion. And content promotion is one of these topics when, when you Google it, the content is absolute crap. And, uh, and it's just like not actionable, etc. I mean, I know it's like some big names in SEO rank for it, but to be honest, like the content promotion, it's pretty terrible. And I have a bit of a different take on that topic. So I think it's going to be interesting to talk about this and you know how this works in 2020, etc. which is quite subtle. But I wanted to, before we actually jump into this, Mark, before we actually give tactics to people and like things to do with examples, etc. I wanted to talk a little bit about like, what's the point? Like basically you have a choice with your time, right? You can go and create more content, maybe do link building, do all these things that a lot of people who listen to this podcast usually do, or you can do content promotion. Why would you trade that time doing link building and content creation for content promotion? I don't think that's a, a good question. It's not a zero sum game in that way. Like you can for sure do both and you, you probably should do both. I think especially in the early days of your site, when you're perhaps in like sandbox type territory, then content promotion is one of the few things which you can do, which will have meaningful results like pretty much straight away if you do it well. So I wouldn't say I would ever be in a situation where let's do this or let's do this. It's like, how can we add this to our, our process? And I think the, the underlying theme of what I'm going to say today, at least is these content promotion tactics, which we're going to share are processes that can and should be added to your content publishing process. Yeah, I think it depends. It depends on your monetization model. So it's like the problem with content promotion the way it's been like you know promoted uh, usually is that it's kind of like a one-off burst you know it's like oh go post it on facebook go post it on twitter whatever like or like random stuff that would like might give you a bit of traffic and it just dies off whereas when you do seo you kind of get that compounding effect which in the end just ends up completely overwhelming content promotion i think that's why people are often asking that question and that's why a lot of people are just not doing it but um we're going to talk about some stuff that actually compounds and has similar effect to seo and i think actually that for me, it does help SEO in indirect ways, at least. I mean, first of all, I'll take any, some examples on some sites, but like some site, like when I promote a page, 
properly and I get, let's say, a thousand plus people check it out through promotion, that could be, you know, an email or something or like some social posts that go really well, even retargeting, something like this. These posts, I don't know if it's because I promote the best content or if it's because of the promotion itself, but these posts tend to do a lot better in search in general. And I feel like when there's a, a certain amount of traffic hitting a page in general, it tends to do better for us in search and it tends to rank fast. You know, it's like one of these things where, you know, sometimes pages, pages take three to four months to rank or something and it's like, it's a bit sluggish. Whereas pages you promote it, usually they just pick up really fast. And I wouldn't be surprised if Google used that data uh, and I'm going to talk about Google Discover here. So right, like when you visit, if you use Android and you click on the little Google icon of your search bar on top or the bottom, depending on where it is on your phone, you get this Google feed called Google Discover. It's also on Chrome mobile when you open a new tab. And it's essentially like curated content based on, on your browsing history, you know, new posts they might have or like topics you've been Googling, etc. that are popping up here. And uh, Google essentially uses that data to push content to people. And so I wouldn't be surprised that if they also use the same collection of data and processing of data to maybe influence part of the algorithm and how things rank. Because for me, when I drive traffic to a page, it tends to essentially rank higher. I don't have any scientific proof or any prove, like right? concrete test. Very difficult to to assess. But yeah, like anecdotally, there is consistent theme that heavily promoted and well promoted content does better in search. Yeah, and one thing as well that I think that people kind of like look at it backwards is that promoting content done properly builds your promotion channels. It builds your ability to gather a crowd. So like I'll take an example, the premieres of this podcast, right? Usually like 40 minutes before I have a couple of channels where I know where to promote the premiere. And if you're watching now, you might actually have seen some of these promotion items on some specific Facebook groups, et cetera, like where I know the owners, et cetera, I've talked to them, stuff like that. And I know exactly where I'm gonna get the people to show up. And then, I mean, for YouTube, it's a little bit different. It's a bit more direct because the more people watch early, and like like and comments and talk on the chat, et cetera, the better the video does after that and then YouTube distributes it. But the ability to be able to gather people is something that makes people want to work with you. So like my ability to bring, you know, a thousand plus SEO people in less than 24 hours to any given page makes a lot of people talk to me and makes a lot of people ask me to work with them and essentially hopefully tap into the ability to gather these kind of people towards something that is to their interest. And so promoting useful content is a good way to essentially build this ability that then can be traded for other things like links, like exposure, like higher commissions, like uh, things like that, that you know, eventually make an actual impact on your bottom line. So it's not just, and it, and it essentially grows like a, that brand that people want to tap into basically. And so you should look at it backwards, like it's not, you build your content, your promotion channels to promote your content. It's like you build your content to build your promotion channels and essentially be build a crowd around, around you that will pay attention to what you're sharing and pushing to them. And I think if you look at it that way, you know, it changes completely the perspective on what you're trying to achieve here. And a lot of the like H pro members now have massive followings with their sites. And as a result, like brands give them like three times higher commission rates or even just consider, you know, sponsoring them and things like that, like open, it opens all these doors that you wouldn't get as a shitty exact match domain affiliate site. It's kind of one of those things that does start to differentiate your old school affiliate site from a proper authority site, because these extra things are kind of contributing towards branding in a way, but not in the sort of airy fairy way we, we think about it, but in like concrete measurable things which you can utilize to get results as we'll see. Yeah, so anything else you wanna say on this point or should we just jump into the tactics? Let's do it, that's why people right. are here. The first one which is essentially like kind of like a continuation of what we were just talking about is repurposing your content for popular platforms in your niche. So it's like, the point is that most people, like say you share, like you want to post on Facebook, right? It's like, there's two ways to promote something on Facebook. You can either just take your link, paste it and kind of like press post. And to be frank, Facebook's not really going to give you much distribution. Not many people are going to see this, etc. What you'll see me do, for example, when I promote one of these podcasts or anything else really, is you'll see me write a post that has value on its own. It's like, if you were not to click the link, but just read the post, 
you would get some value away. Like I would give away maybe one tactic that we share in this podcast. For example, probably what I'm going to do when I share this podcast is like, I'm probably just like going to write about one tactic or write about that concept of like promoting content builds your channel versus, you know, the opposite. Like you, you build your channels to promote your content. Like maybe I'll write about something like that. And that's the thing. And we do that for the emails as well on Atari Hacker. So when we promote these podcasts via emails, we actually don't rewrite what we talked about on the podcast. We actually take one of the points in the podcast. For example, for the news roundup last week, we wrote only about the Ahrefs free plan like, should you give them your GSC data? Because that's what people were talking about and that was interesting. And we're able to kind of like take that and like maybe expand a bit more than what we talked about on the podcast. So hit different points and make the email something of value people would read. And we're like, oh, by the way, we have like seven other points we talked about in that podcast. Click on the link to go check it out. And then people then go check it out. So it's like, that is my favorite way of promoting content these days. And that works for pretty much any platform. Like, I mean, this podcast essentially was an audio podcast that became a video podcast. It's also repurposing in a way. When I talked to John Dijkstra, he talked about Pinterest and how he makes pins from his uh, posts. And like, essentially he repurposes the text content into an image and then shares that and has value on its own. This marketing example website that we talked about two weeks ago, I think, one week ago, was, uh, he does that on Twitter. He creates essentially Twitter posts that are value on their own, you can read it, not click to the link, and people do that. And I think for SEOs, it's very hard to, under to understand that because, again, of that thing of like, I want this promotion to drive traffic to my site versus I want to build my channels so that I can drive traffic later, maybe. I think as well, a lot of people in the SEO space have, have a problem with understanding that they can promote their article, they can promote different aspects of their article. So if you had an article, how to clean a paintball gun, and then there's maybe like four steps you need to, to do to that. There, most people think, okay, well, I need to promote a list of steps. That's like my featured image and my Facebook share image that, that I'm, I'm creating. Whereas what we're saying is you can actually like break that down into smaller parts. So like step one, disassemble. So how do you actually disassemble? Maybe there's a picture or sub steps to that. And you can, you can post those things individually. It doesn't, you don't have to have the entire guide as one post yeah, yeah. and you can have like a sequence of them. And of this thing. can be, this is small enough to be a Facebook post or something or like a Twitter thing or whatever. And you can just like uh, have an image post, not a link post, an image post with like some text. And then at the end, it's like read the full guide here and put the link. And then you might think, well, this is not going to get as many clicks as like a link post where I actually put the URL and it's like a full link with the featured image, etc. But actually, because it's like an image post, you get like way more del uh, delivery by Facebook. Like if people engage and like and comment, etc. and reshare, you'll reach That's like 20 times more people and you'll get at least as many clicks, if not more, but you also gain a bunch of followers. And next time you share something, you actually get more reach, you know, and it just kind of like works that way. That's so key to understand, though, because most people think that, well, if I just share my link, then people will come and, and read the article. But actually, they're making a decision of should I click this link and read the article based on what I can see here. And if it's just a shitty image or, you know, just some text, say, hey, I post this new blog post, check it out, then I'm fine. But when you actually start bringing in some of the value of your article, of your content into the social media post in, in, in this case and and start giving away that that information, then people are more likely to say, oh, actually, that's really good. I like that. I'm going to engage with that. That's what you were saying, you know, Facebook shares it and all that. But then because they're engaging with it so much on this platform, they're more likely to go through and actually find, oh, I want more of these tips. Where do I actually read the, the full article? You're increasing your conversion rate of promotion, if that makes sense. You're increasing the size of your audience for your next share as well. And so that's the thing. And then let's say you had this, you know, these 10 steps article, then you can make 10 posts like that. And then it's like a 10 image posts or like one is a video, one is a, an image or something like that. And that works really well. And then it's like, then it's not as scary to be like, oh, how can I share a lot of content without, like, you don't have to come up with something new. You just need to repurpose what you have already. Like it's, it's much easier and you can have many posts from one main blog post or something. But really the value is like create content natively that can be consumed on a platform without clicking if people want. 
That's how you get distribution, essentially. I would just add to that as well, that this works really, really well for any story-based social media. So Instagram stories, Facebook stories, where you know people love that, that clicking effect. So they're, they're going through, they're seeing what's new. Okay, step one of cleaning a paintball gun is this. Oh, interesting. Step two is this. Oh, interesting. Step three. It creates that, you know, I, I just watched this, uh, the social dilemma thing on, on Netflix. Have, have you seen it yet? We watched the beginning and then I was like, I know everything. Everyone I've spoken to says, I know everything, but just watch it. It's actually quite interesting. There's a few good subtleties about it by by like how they get people to engage better with the, the, the platforms and stuff. Anyway, this is exactly what's going on here. So you're training your users to kind of consume your content in this way, which I think is pretty cool. I just want to add another kind of sub point or different way of, of thinking about this. Call it content inception. And that's where you make content about the fact that you've made content as a way to promote it. So you can, let's say again, our paintball gun example from my imaginary paintball site, rather than just posting the list of, of points or even the, the social media mini posts, it's like I can make, I can go on Facebook Live and say, hey guys, you know, I had this issue. Me and my friend were out playing paintball and uh, he didn't clean his gun properly. So we both got shot and died and lost the game or something like that. So I decided to make this post about it, how to clean it properly so your gun won't misfire, etc., etc. You're using the same topic and you're still trying to get people to, to go to it. But the fact that you're talking about it almost from like a third person perspective in relation to the content itself will enable you just to talk about it easier and to create content like kind of naturally where you're just, as I said, on a Facebook Live or it doesn't have to be Facebook Live, it could be. Add to what you were saying, actually I did it last year for Atari Hacker. We were releasing these stats posts that were cool, but honestly, they went over the head of many readers on Atari Hacker. The thing I was doing is I was, I did it only on Facebook at the time. I would do it on YouTube as well now, probably like Twitter and all of these at once with something like Restream. And I was just reading the blog post with people, but I wasn't just reading it. I was kind of like re-explaining it in very, very plain terms. So I was looking at the graphs and I was like, oh, actually, do you understand what that means? That means that, you know, actually Google rewrites have the title tags and like, let's just go and Google something and then I'll show you how that works, etc. And I would just like open a tab and like show to people in real life what that means and what that implies. And the reactions were like, there was a lot of reactions and people engaging. There was actually more people engaging than with the actual blog post just because of the format and because it was more casual, etc. It wasn't as complicated to consume, etc. So you can take content and create more content from that content, commentary on your own content, etc. That's what we do with the newsletter as well for this blog, as I mentioned. We essentially, for this uh, podcast rather, we just take one point and we expand and it's something different. Even if you watch the podcast, you might get something new in a newsletter. And then as a result, we get way more people to engage. And also it means that it's a lot less pressure on you because you don't have to come up with new stuff all the time. You're just slightly different angle on the same topic, basically. I quite like it, actually. See, this is very easy because you can also go back in time for all the content you've ever created and repurpose it in this way as well. Talk about why you created it, how you created it. This is what we it. should do, actually, for Atari Hacker. We should do live streams on like old posts because I know a lot of these old ones, people like uh, some of the email marketing stuff, etc. I know it went over the head of a lot of people. It's also like when that stuff came out, our audience was much smaller. It was some of, some of it was like three, four years ago. So they won't have seen it and they won't have gone back to that page in, in the blog necessarily. We haven't re-promoted it again. It's a great opportunity to do that. Plus, it's the old adage, you know, people follow people, not companies. So as much as you think your affiliate site or authority site is, is a kind of library of content, getting loads of search traffic, hopefully, people also care about the person behind it, about you. So I think that's one of the reasons why Kevin, who runs Epic Gardening, we've done a few case studies and he's been on the podcast before, is so successful in, in that space because he has this gardening website, but people are really interested in, in him. They're following him personally. So by him creating that kind of content, it's also a good way to actually interact on a more personal level, which I think a lot of SEOs miss out on. Yeah, Kevin is basically the next Jamie Oliver of gardening, basically. He actually, you know, it's funny, he created a YouTube channel just for his personal stuff, basically. And uh, even without posting anything, he had like tens of thousands of subscribers, etc. And people followed him, etc. So yeah, that works very well. Again, it depends on your style of business. If you're just like this faceless affiliate guy, not gonna work so well to do this. If you are actually trying to create something a little bit more original and 
again, try to build that following so that you can trade that with brands and for higher commissions, for links, for all these things, etc. It works quite well, actually. It gives you a massive advantage over the people who go the faceless affiliate route, which is why we talked about this, that we don't want too many sites. We'd rather work on a few sites, but do it properly and be able to do these things, basically. One thing I want to add to this, and I guess it's really a debate or a question for you, is we talked about like a lot of different promotion channels here. So like Facebook, Instagram, live, email, all, all these, these stories. Should you promote on all of these platforms right away? There's many platforms that you would never promote on, right? If you have a gardening site, I don't think you're going to be promoting on LinkedIn, for example. That would, uh, I mean, there, maybe there's a niche, but it's probably a small one. So it's one of these things where it's like, it's kind of like the same philosophy as starting sites for me, where you want to pick one channel and do it properly. So for example, now we're focusing on YouTube, YouTube and email, for example. Atari Hacker would be like YouTube and email. That's kind of like the two channels we're kind of focusing on right now. We're trying to get better at these. We're trying to increase frequency on YouTube. There's going to be more videos coming, different styles, not just podcasts, etc. And then just nail that kind of like original messaging, native, creating this kind of like format that works for the platform, etc. And really get high engagement on this versus trying to do every platform in a shitty way, you know? So my idea is just to pick one or two platforms, kind of focus on them. And once you do well, then build it into a process, maybe bring stuff in so that you do less stuff. So for example, like, you know, when we started reworking on the newsletter for Toy Hacker, right? Initially, I was just writing it. And eventually, like, now, brah, there's one of the writers that helps us and kind of, like, pre-write it. I still edit it heavily, you know? It's kind of at this point where, like, I get it, but, like, I might rewrite half of it. But we're kind of, like, refining the process of giving him information so he can do it and I can slowly take my time back. And that time might be invested instead into experimenting on Twitter, for example. Like, I'm not doing it now, but I could take that time. Or I could just be like, I want to double down on YouTube, which is what we're doing right now, actually. And then kind of like, once YouTube is better, same, initially I was editing the videos, I was editing the podcast, remember? And then eventually we brought an editor, and now we're still working on this B-roll stuff and so on. And my time is kind of like given back, so now I can start working on other types of videos. So I like the idea of like, kind of like, really going slowly, but seeing significant improvement into each channel because there's too many shitty accounts that get zero traction on all these social platforms. And it's very easy to just post and get nobody to react to your stuff. And so, and that's why you want to nail that kind of like platform-based messaging. It's almost like you can't even post the same stuff on Facebook as you would post on Twitter when you're like, actually, you know, that would kind of make sense. But if you want to do it really well, then it's not how you do that. If you want to do it on Twitter, you create these threads with like multiple posts, one behind below the other. It's playing a lot more on like tagging people so that they reshare. Also hashtags play a role, etc. Whereas on Facebook, there's probably a bit of a paid game at the beginning, something like this, like paid ads and so on. And so it's going to be quite different. So like, yeah, I don't think you should do everything at once. First of all, look at what your competitors are using, the people who are doing well via these platforms, like what are they pushing the most? If you're mostly in B2C niches, it's going to be YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, maybe Facebook, but then Facebook pages, you know, if you're just a pure content site, I would say don't even bother that much with Facebook. Maybe you have a Facebook group. That's what works really well for kind of like B2C niches. And then like do these really well, pick them one by one. YouTube on its own is a massive project. Doing it properly is really, really difficult. And then instead of trying to go to a thousand platforms, do four or five really well, you know? More wood behind fewer arrows, basically. Yeah, and I think that's the mistake with people. Like, they think they can just go, like, on Twitter, post the link, on Facebook, post the link, on LinkedIn, post the link, and then you get zero And you ended up doing traction. it all terribly, but the yeah. difference between just posting the link and actually thinking about it and doing a really good post is, like, zero or one visitor yeah. to, like, thousands or hundreds of thousands potentially. In so LinkedIn, spaces. for example, I would use this publishing platform that they have, right? They have a blogging platform in LinkedIn where you can post full, like you don't have to post a full article. You can post some kind of like condensate version of it and then eventually put a call to action to the full article or even directly to a lead magnet for that matter. Maybe on LinkedIn, that's the better thing to do. Maybe you send people directly to a CTA or maybe you just repost your content, etc. Like there's, there's many, I haven't done it, so I can't tell you exactly what's the best way. But each platform works well. And I think that's kind of the trap of like social schedulers, you know? 
like social schedulers, like, you know, Buffer and Hootsuite, etc. Essentially, you write the same post, you take like Twitter, Facebook, etc. And you post and it's like nothing works. It's like, it just like falls flat. I don't even use them anymore, personally. Like we use Agora Pulse to like answer to messages because it kind of makes an inbox for all the social media in one place. So it's quite handy. But for posting, I always post natively and use all these features that you have from the network. So like on Facebook, you can put this feeling, for example, you can put like feeling happy or feeling sad or feeling, and like just that, that adds an emoji next to your status and that might get this 0.2% extra engagement rate, which makes you above average, which makes Facebook distribute or post more than the others, etc. Like, and you don't have that in your social scheduler. They haven't built it in, you know? So it's, yeah, build a few, do it properly, do it natively. And by the way, my favorite tool lately for all these things is actually Canva. Canva has been amazing. Basically, you, you can just post text. And usually these platforms don't distribute your stuff a lot when you post links. I still post links on groups because that gets distributed quite well, but like on the page or something, if you want actual distribution, you need images or you need videos. And you can do these really easily with Canva Premium, and they have this resize function that resizes your images exactly for each social network, etc. So you can have a degree of repurposing, but you can even just change each one a little bit differently, etc. if you want to do something different on each network and so on. So Canva has massively improved our ability to quickly do these social sharing images. Like we use designers for like big guides and things like that, etc. But for the really the social promotion, we tend to just DIY it on Canva and that works really well, basically. It's so good these days. Like uh, really it's a, it's a almost a true replacement for Photoshop from like a marketing perspective. I think it's not no just wonder. that. It's a replacement for a cheap designer because like the way you don't need to know anything to use it. And you like, I mean, and you can use the templates if you have no taste at all. So it's quite powerful. And you know, you can put your brand, your brand colors. So it's all there. You can upload custom fonts, for example, if you have custom brand fonts. Yeah, you, you can do a lot. And now they even have stock photos and stock videos built in. So you don't really need to import anything. You can just build everything in. And uh, in terms of promotion and social stuff, that works really well. Just going there and starting to create images from their templates, you get way more engagement than you used to have before. So yeah, I would recommend it very much. And it's also really easy to use on mobile. I use it on like my phone and my iPad and it's like, you can do everything actually. It's a bit generic, but basically what you need to take away from this is don't just put your link, create content for the platform, create a post that on its own stands. If someone reads it and doesn't click on your link, they still get value, they might still like your post, they might still engage, they might spend time on it as well. If they just spend time reading, that is considered engagement by most networks and they will di distribute more and more people will see it basically. And you might get shares, etc., when you do these things. So that is it. Now let's go to the next one, which is going to be ego baiting and I'll let you talk a bit. Ego baiting is when you mention other websites, bloggers, people in your post, and then you let them know that you've done that and ask them to engage somehow. Most often ask them to share it for you, to promote it to their audience. It's almost a win-win. Sometimes people suggest doing this to ask for links and you can do that for sure, but often you don't get the best response because I mean, who, who likes linking out to other people, you know? I think a better way of thinking about it from a share perspective is that it's more a win-win from the point of view that you're obviously getting the, the traffic from them if they're if they're sharing it, but they're sharing the fact that they got featured somewhere. So that like elevates their brand in the position of their audience or anyone reading their social media as well. So if Authority Hackers featured on uh, you know, any of the SEO news websites, for example, for sure, we're going to be posting about that on our, our social media because that's kind of like an elevating elevation of our, our brand status. A lot of people actually re know about this and understand how it works, but not that many people really do it on a consistent basis. It's really important to think about this as you're creating your content and as you're publishing your content so that you're timing your messages, your outreach messages for this to go out at the same time as you, you published your, your your content. It's it's very important to like hit that initial wave, I think, with doing this. A few more practical tips on this. Actually, just to give you one example from Authority Hacker, we do this a lot with, with tool companies. Uh, so whenever we mention a tool on the podcast or in any of our blog posts, I know some tools we mention over and over 
so we don't do this every week. But if we mention one that we haven't talked about for a while, or it's the first time I mentioned, often we'll reach out to them and say, hey, we, we actually mentioned your tool on this list of cool productivity SEO tools or whatever we we're talking about this month. Do you want to share it or something like that? And that works quite well, especially because tool companies kind of not directly competing with us as well. Sometimes, to be honest, in IM, people are quite good about sharing our stuff and sharing each other's stuff, even people who have other courses and who are directly competing with us. But I understand in, in some industries that doesn't happen so much. So for IM, a tool company is kind of related to what we do, but not directly competing. So they're more likely to share than a direct competitor, you would think. A few specific tips to make this whole process, I guess, more shareable. And I got this from when I was a guest on the, the Hustle and Flow podcast is what they did. They created a Facebook and Instagram and there may have been a couple other networks specifically sized images that had my head on it, the quote uh, from something I said in that that episode and the description or whatever the the title of the, of that show and they pre-wrote the the share for me if I wanted so they clearly have a really refined process for for doing that but it just gave me a really good idea that that'd be pretty cool if we were able to do that for let's say every time we mention a tool on the Authority Hacker podcast if we had someone to create you know a, a nice featured image of what we said of the specific quote we said and then sent sent that to the people the tool company at the exact time we were publishing that that podcast or you know you do the same for any any piece of content so that's something i haven't done but i really want to try that i think it's a it's a great way of uh, so easy to do this canva especially if you have templates like you can do templates as well and just like change the photo change the text and then just like export it that's a five minutes job maybe put their logo or something and then, then that's quite easy that's the kind of stuff that like that's the kind of process you can build and like if you want to build processes around these because you know social media feels always very nebulous and kind of like non-scripted you can definitely do this and that works really well and create like a quote template create i don't know like a tip of the day template that is also an extract from a piece of content etc and you do these square images so you can put it on facebook it takes the maximum space you can put it on instagram as well and then you can also put it on linkedin etc so you can repurpose this and yeah, that's something I want to build. Actually, I want to build a grid, you know, with like, um, like how where you can repurpose each thing, and so you kind of have like content type as lines, and then you have network as vertical, and you just have a cross, and you're like, okay, if you create this, you can post it here, 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 and here. And I think I think that'd be quite useful for people to actually build this uh, this thing. Anything else on ego baiting? Okay, I want to talk about hacking social communities. It's something that I've done a lot to start Authority Hacker, actually. At the beginning, I did that quite a lot. I'm going to give you several ways I did this. And the reason I did it for Authority Hacker is because we had zero chance as a DR0 site to rank for anything. And we had an email list of over 10,000 people before we even had significant traffic. And so the main reason that happened is through these things I'm going to talk about right now, which is going to be quite interesting. First, I'm going to talk about Facebook groups because there's pretty much Facebook groups for any topic out there. So Whatever an issue, and you can use that, and it's quite powerful. So Facebook groups, you know, the obvious thing to think about is like, oh, I'm just going to go and post my link there. Except most people who try that end up being banned, and their post gets deleted, etc., and it's gone, right? And it's like it doesn't work. It doesn't work many times. You might be able, you might get away with it once, but like if you post like a several posts a week or something, it's hard to get away with it. But here's a way to get away with it. It's a little bit less reach, but it work. You can do it many times. And the way you do that is, let's take another example for a post. Again, let's take the cleaning your paintball gun example, right? My, I would go on a Facebook group about paintball and I would post, I would make a post like, hey guys, I just finished my first game with my new paintball gun. How can I clean it properly? I don't know how to do this. And I would just ask that question, but I would try to make it quite engaging, maybe even slightly controversial. I'd be like, it's dirty as fuck or something. I'd say something that, you know, triggers people. Like, you know, they put these like laughing emojis and react or like laugh and kind of make fun of me a little bit in the comments. Just so that my goal is to get as many reactions as possible, right? And what happens is in groups, when people engage with any kind of content, they essentially soft subscribe to that thread, which means anytime there's a significant update to that thread, someone replies, etc., they get a notification. And then they might check, click on a notification and go check what happened on that thread, right? Unless they unsubscribe, that's how it happens. 
So what you do is you create that very engaging post, slightly controversial post, get hundreds of people to interact if you have a big group, and then let it go for like maybe a few days while it's still going with engagement. And then when it's done, be like, hey guys, I figured out the solution. And actually, in case, since it had a lot of reactions, I made a blog post about this. You guys can check it out. And it's just a comment on the thread. It's below, it's a comment. You didn't edit the original post or something like this. The admins don't even see it. The admins of the Facebook group or whatever group, or even on LinkedIn, etc. I'm pretty sure it's the same, don't see this. But everyone that interacted or most people that interacted get a notification of your comment, click it, and it scrolls them directly to your link. And then quite a few people will click if you do that. And that's how you drive traffic from Facebook groups without being completely obnoxious and sharing your link directly. You essentially make people subscribe to the topic when they care about the topic because that's the power of this as well. It's not just random people. It's the people within a specific group that also care about that topic that engage with your thread, which means essentially the best people in a group that Facebook has reached. And then these people will actually eventually get to see your link or at least have a chance to click on your link. And I think that's an easy way. And you can repeat this many times on the same group and most admins will not care and not even realize what you're doing. So that's one way you can hack communities and Facebook communities, slightly less traffic than if you had your link in the front, but you can do it many times and you can do it all the time and you will get more traffic eventually. Another one, which is a little old school, but I did that also to start a toy hacker, that's why I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it, is uh, blog comments, right? So a lot of blog comments still in the name link to the website of the person that commented. And I'll tell you the exact size I did it on when we started. I did it on Neil Patel on Quicksprout at the time. And I did it on Niche Pursuits. That was the two sites I did on Niche Pursuits, removes his comments. And Neil Patel still has it, if you want to go ahead. And what I did is I subscribed to these blogs RSS feeds and I set a refresh time of one minute. So within one minute of them publishing a post, I would have a notification on my desktop and hopefully I was working at that time. And usually if you know what their schedule is then you can be around or something like this. And I would always be the first commenter. And for these blogs that will then blast these posts to their email list, etc., your first comment is going to have a lot of impressions. And if you drop some interesting and or controversial comment, once again, you'd be surprised. I used to get like some comments get three, four hundred clicks in like three, four days, which, you know, it's not really a scalable thing. But let's say you're in personal finance, for example, same kind of situation as if you're in online marketing. It's very, very hard to build up the SEO. It will take time, etc. But you could monetize before you even rank by doing this, getting 300 people to your site. And then I retarget them. I put my retargeting pixel on them. And we'll talk about this later. But then I would start advertising every new post I have. Hopefully they share some. And do that every time these blogs post. And then get a little bit of residual traffic every time. And then build up my audiences that I can promote to. You can monetize that way quite well. I have a question about blog commenting. So when you were doing that, trying to be like the first commenter, how good was your comment? It was not bad. It was okay. It was better than average. Like, you know, it's like, I would usually do what I did now. I would drop like a trick that people don't know about or something like that. Like something that's like impressing people. So like that thing, for example, people were like, oh, that's pretty cool. Or the Facebook group thing. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, that's pretty cool. I've never heard that before. So I would try to drop something like this quickly, like with that, because I need to be fast as well so that I can be first, which the position matters a lot. If you're like number five, you already get like 10 times less impressions than the number one comment, which is right after the article. So it's like, it was kind of a compromise between speed and value. But what's most important is that you get approved first. So I would do that and I would also tweet to them. I'd be like, hey, fucking great article, drop a comment or something like this. Like kind of like, so Neil Patel doesn't give a shit, but Spencer did it's it. So that's essentially like, I would do something like that. And then, yeah, it's like, do that several times a week and that kind of adds up, you know? And I did that for like seven or eight sites. I can't like... I can't remember all of them at this point because it's been a few years now, but I, I would do that and I had the RSS thing that was essentially pinging me and I was just jumping on it as soon as it was there, basically. Do you think that's still relevant in 2020? Yeah, I think it is. Like, I think like there's a lot of sites that still have, I mean, Backlinko, for example, still has links in the comments, I think, for example. I think, if, I think he does. Uh, he did a redesign, so I'm not sure, but he did have it this year for sure. And so like if you're number one and there's a lot of like finance sites, et cetera, finance blogs, for sure, they run on like shitty old WordPress and for sure they still have the links in the comments. You just want to be approved. So no, it's not relevant for every niche. It's one of these tactics that doesn't scale, right? It's like, I wouldn't go and do this now. I think it would be kind of a waste of time. I, I'm better off doing a good YouTube video now. Like if I reach, yeah. you know, 15,000 people with a good YouTube video, it's a much better use of my time than trying to run after some comments, you know? 
So it's kind of like it makes sense at the beginning of the site and or when you're really hurting for traffic, you know, and your traffic is highly valuable. The next one I want to talk about is social voting communities. So something like Reddit, Photo Hacker, I did it for inbound.org at the time. There's also growthhackers.com, I think, for marketing. And there's some for WordPress. I think ManageWP has one for WordPress, etc. So there's many of these social voting community. Hacker News is a massive one as well. These communities try to fight against essentially organized voting of stuff, but generally you can still play it. And so that's when you build a circle of friends and people who all would like to at some point push some content there, make, at the time we had Skype rooms. <laughs> and then every time someone or one of us would post a link, like you couldn't share the link directly because that's how they would flag you. But we would go on the news, the new content page and just vote that thing, maybe drop a comment, like engage basically with the submission of the link. And then sure enough, every single time we got a thousand plus visits every time you publish something because we were hitting number one every single time, basically. And that was another way I was hacking that. And that can still be done on Reddit. That can still be done. And Reddit has pretty much rates for everything. You don't need as many people as you think. Like a dozen people is enough to overtake a lot of these communities and get thousands of visits or hundreds of visits, depending on like how big the community is. But it's really powerful. What that's essentially doing is mimicking what would be organic virality in that way or the beginnings of it. So that Reddit or which, whichever platform you're working on will then start to show that post to lots of other people. And people are voting much after quicker that. than it would. If it's good, yeah. it's like people, you get natural votes. It's just like the first few ones are almost impossible to get. And so like that's what you do. You just keep that and then provided your stuff's not crap, then yeah, you actually will get, and you get thousands of visits from this. It's really powerful. And actually, I think after a certain number of votes, Reddit turns the link into a do-follow link, or they did for a while. And so like, again, probably helps your SEO quite a bit. So that was the main ways I was doing this. You wanted to talk about Quora, et cetera, as well? Yeah, just actually kind of almost uh, in between blog comments and social upvoting because there's there's an element of both strategies in there. But Quora, back in the day, not so much anymore. Yahoo Answers, depending on your niche, Stack Overflow as well. Good Q&A type sites where people are asking questions and often you'll get average-ish answers uh, to those questions. So it's it's not that challenging to come in and provide a better answer, especially you know if you've already written an article about this You've researched it. You've you've got most of your content, most of your key points there. And I find the trick with something like Quora is just give a shit ton of value in your comment. Make it really, really good. You don't have to be fast like you do with a blog comment, yeah. but make it hit really hard. But you can get it upvoted. Yeah, you use the same tactic to get a few people to upvote it. And because hardly anyone upvotes answers on Quora, it only takes a few people to get yours up to, to number one. I have a hack for this one, actually. So the trick is... Find the pages related to your niche on Quora that are ranking on Google with Ahrefs. So you can just type keywords related to that. Because if they're ranking, they're getting constant traffic. Essentially, you can piggyback right Quora for get, to get people to click on your link every day. So it's like almost organic traffic. It's just indirect. So you can literally put Quora in Ahrefs or ICMrush or whatever you want to use. And then just find the pages related to your niche that get the most organic traffic by you know filtering top pages and then putting keywords related to your niche, like, you know, paintball or something like this. And then find these. And then it's sometimes, I believe, even worth crafting content for these just so that you can go and answer and put your link, vote it to the top and just essentially get that click through from Quora every single day, not just when you publish it. And I think that's where it becomes quite valuable to do this because you can essentially get the Google traffic before you rank on Google, which is Quite cool, actually. I just want to add, there's a really fine line with this between spamming it and like kind of abusing the system and making it work. And you really, really have to have pretty awesome answers and pretty awesome content on your site that you're linking to because especially somewhere on Reddit, I mean, they will eviscerate you (laughs) if they get any semblance that you're doing this as like a promotion strategy. So you have to be very, very careful. I actually interviewed uh, Greg from Empire Flippers several years ago on our podcast about how they got AMA that they did onto the first page of of Reddit, which was pretty impressive. So I think we'll put a link to that episode somewhere in the, the show notes. You guys can check that out as well if you're interested in more details about that. Yeah. So the, the next thing I want to talk about is cheating with giveaways. It's kind of cheating because it's like people don't really care about your content, but you can essentially when you use giveaway platforms like Glim.io, even Kingsumo, etc., you essentially tell people, hey, you have a chance to win something, 
But to have more chances of winning, do these actions. And some of these actions will be, let's say, following you on social media, which is great. It's another way to essentially make your content promotion better later. And some of these also are just literally just share that piece of content or retweet that tweet that essentially promotes that piece of content. That kind of stuff, like share this on Facebook so that you get more chances of winning this. Um, and I actually did this for our page on Ahrefs Review on Authority Hacker at the time. We were also much lower authority. We don't rank number one anymore, but we had number one for like four years. Uh, but Ahrefs actually cut their affiliate program this year, so I don't care that much about being number one. <laughs> Let's be honest. We literally lost that ranking the, like um, a week after they cut the affiliate program. And I was like, okay, fine. Anyway, all of this to say, what we did is when we released the review, we were much weaker than most of our competitors. But what we did is I managed to bargain a free Ahrefs account to give to our audience, like a free yearly Ahrefs account was like two grand or three grand, like quite a bit of money. I use this platform, I use Glim.io, and on the review page itself, I embedded the giveaway. And one of the actions was share this page. And they would click and it would just open their Facebook or their Twitter or something, and they would share it. That page got, I think, 2,000 shares or something. And within a week, bam, shot top three, you know? Like, um, and that, it's like, again, is these social signals, et cetera. I don't know if like this is real or something, but I know I can just tell you the story, right? What happened? I don't necessarily know the science behind it. I know that this happened and I know every time I've done that, I was able to essentially use this content promotion to hack rankings as well and getting quite a bit of traffic. So that worked really well for us. And on top of that, you can get people to follow you on social, which then have more chances of them interacting with your content later, which gives you more distribution and all that stuff that we talked about before. So really giveaways are actually quite powerful in that aspect. The problem with giveaways is a lot of people who really don't care that much about you will enter. So you'll get a lot of like followers that are like not so great, not engaging too much, etc. Same with emails. You can collect emails that way. But usually when we do a giveaway, I also delete thousands of email addresses a few months later because they haven't opened a single email that we've done. And, and that's part of it. But also, you know, when I look at ourselves, some people that entered via the giveaway end up being customers too. So it's not all trash. Just there's a lot of waste in there, but it still works really well. And you can cheat your promotion with giveaways and, you know, you can use that as like social proof, right? So we don't really display this, but a lot of people still do, you know, social share count, you know? So uh, for a long time, this review had like 3000 shares and there was the counter of shares on the side of the page and it would look so authoritative, et cetera. And that would get more people to link to the to content, et cetera. And that worked really well, you know? That Ahrefs review actually had a lot of like organic links as well, not just because of the shares, it was also pretty good. But yeah, so like you can cheat with giveaways basically. And the last tactic I want to share is retargeting actually. I want to talk, I like to, it really depends on how you monetize. If you monetize with random previews or ads, don't spend money on advertising. Like you can do giveaways, you can do all the like native sharing and like organic stuff, etc. That's fine, but you're not gonna make your money back with retargeting most of the time, unless you are in a niche where the offers pay hundreds of dollars and you might be able to do okay. But other than that, I like to use retargeting again for this kind of like initial engagement on posts and then just, uh, yeah, just getting more people on the, on the content and getting people to engage with the brand and eventually they get more organic reach to all the content you're sharing as well. So I, I tend to do retargeting as well. So when people hit our website, you guys enter audiences. I'm sure you've seen our ads on Facebook. And whenever there's a new piece of content, we're able to kickstart its distribution with a few hundred dollars in ads, and that works quite well for us, basically. Anything to say on retargeting, giveaways, anything like this? Nothing to add, no. Now, we've talked about all these tactics, but I want to talk about a few other things as well. I want to ask, for example, the question of, like, should you be promoting every piece of content? Because I think it's also kind of a mistake. It's like, not every piece of content is worth sharing, I would say, or, like, is worth, like, annoying people with. Like, we have, like, all our sites have, like, kind of, like, support content that targets really niche keywords that only affects very few people like, you know, imagine you talk about one specific but old paintball gun model that has good search volume, but really like on social media, it's really not going to be that interesting to people or something like this. Like, am I going to waste my time creating custom posts and custom images for this, etc.? No. <laughs> and I think, I think that's kind of the mistake. It's like you need to identify what's actually going to be relevant and interesting to people on social and all these things versus what makes sense for SEO. And, you know, it's very frequent that for many of our sites, 80 to 90% of the content is just not worth doing it for, but 10%, like the best stuff that we do, then I would definitely do it for and kind of like build our brand around that. I think a good way to look at this is 
every piece of content you have has an, an innate shareability or virality score to it. In order to identify that, though, you just have to try and like try lots of different types of content. And then as long as your promotion strategies are good, then you can look at the actual metrics as most social media platforms are, are going to give you that. And, you know, we see it with our podcast, for example, with, with YouTube, you see the types of episodes which are, are hitting home and then you can do and more of those don't. or promote, promote <laughs> more of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. YouTube is much better than uh, audio podcast for that because audio podcast people kind of like auto download and you kind of get the same number every every week. Another thing I wanted to talk about as well is people like kind of like listening to this podcast and being very excited about trying all these things, getting some spikes of traffic to their site and being quite excited about it. The thing is like the question is: Is all promotion traffic worth it? Now, especially if you've historically doing been doing only SEO you tend to have very relevant traffic when you do SEO. People are looking for that solution right now, and so they tend to convert well, et cetera, and you're, you're used to a high conversion rate on your pages or like making good money from your traffic. And that's not all traffic's like that. A lot of social traffic is complete junk, right? So you could be submitting your URL on StumbleUpon, for example, which will drive traffic to your site. Is that still around these days? I'm pretty sure it still is, yeah. And you could try to do that, and essentially you'd get some some organic hits, and you'd see some you'd see some traffic in Google Analytics, right? The only way you're gonna make money from this is if you're just monetizing with ads, because ads will pay you per page view. So it's probably worse if you're doing if you're doing that. But if you're doing anything else, if you're selling products, if you are doing affiliate, even chances of promoting converting stumble upon traffic. It's pretty much zero. You're going to make no money from this. And so you're, you're kind of wasting your time. So you, that's why I like the idea of like slowly building an audience that engages with content that is related to what you're doing versus just randomly going out there. So same, another way to get a lot of people to your site, but that wouldn't be very relevant, is giving away an iPhone. Like if you do a giveaway for an iPhone, everyone except Mark is interested. And so that's not going to get you the right customers, right? Whereas if we do a giveaway for a trust, for example, on a toy hacker, then well, people who care about SEO care about this, and the moms of people who care about SEO sign up because they tell them to sign up. But mostly, it's targeted people, and we get like we get more relevant people. So be careful, and always ask yourself the question: Is it the right kind of people interacting with my content? You know, don't go on like free giveaway groups, etc., and post your giveaways there. Don't do all of this, etc. You're just gonna get free beloaders, and you're gonna build a trash audience, and it's gonna actually mess up with your profiles because if a low percentage of your followers interact with your content then it's not distributed at all so you want to build this properly you don't want to go on fiverr and buy them and do all this stuff etc because that's how you fuck yourself up so yeah be a bit careful with that i would just add to it there's two ways to think about it so one is how to get new eyeballs new visitors to discover you uh, and then another way is like what's people who already know about you, maybe they already follow you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. How do you get those people to engage with you more and like elevate that relationship? Very important if you're hoping to sell them something someday and you're running a, a larger kind of authority site with, with your own products and that not just hoping to get them to click on your affiliate link for that one article. Even as an affiliate, you can do that. Like, look, for us, people use our affiliate links because they trust us, you know? So it works also as an affiliate. And that's the that's also one thing that people don't realize. It's like people make a lot of money on like YouTube recommending stuff based on the people who follow them, for example, as affiliates. It's just a different way of doing it. Instead of just ranking on Google, you have people following you and trusting your advice. Like when we recommended like software SEO, et cetera, well, we made quite a bit of commissions based on our recommendation. And that's not now we rank number one, but we didn't used to. So yeah, that also works that way. So yeah, that's basically it for the promotion tactics. Anything you want to add to finish it? No, no, we're good. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, well, don't forget to subscribe either on the audio platforms. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all of them pretty much. And or if you want the full version of this, you can actually go on YouTube where we add some video on top. You can see our amazing faces, sometimes our dogs. And we hope to see you next week as well. So see you next week and have a good week. Bye. Mm -hmm.